Welcome to That's Healthful. I'm your host, Dr. Lisa Beasley, a family nurse practitioner and faculty at the University of Tennessee Health Science Center College of Nursing. That's Healthful is a podcast about health and healthy living with a focus on vulnerable and rural populations. On today's episode, we'll be talking to Dr. Lauren Burge, child abuse pediatrician and assistant professor at the University of Tennessee Health Science Center, and Dr. Andrea Sebastian, a child abuse nurse practitioner and assistant professor in the College of Nursing at the University of Tennessee Health Science Center. As we've been saying these last couple of weeks, April is National Child Abuse Prevention Month, and this episode is part three of a three-part series with Dr. Burge and Dr. Sebastian. Today, our conversation will focus on corporal punishment. Welcome again, ladies. Glad to be here. Thanks for having us back. So normally I would ask you to introduce yourselves, but folks have been following us for the last couple of weeks. They kind of know a little bit about both of you and your bios will be placed in the episode notes if they want a little bit more information, if, if this is the, the first experience in, in hearing you. I know this, this topic is highly controversial. It's, it is also highly sensitive. And I'd like to just start by defining the topic. What is the definition of corporal punishment? Yeah. Thanks, Lisa. So launching into this conversation, I'm sure many of you are, you already have preferences, thoughts, opinions about this topic, and that's good. There's reasons why you have that. Before we move on, I just want to ask that everyone try to be as open-minded as possible, myself included, because we all bring with it baggage from our own childhoods and our own um, culture and experiences. Lisa, this definition comes from the AEP, the American Academy of Pediatrics, and corporal punishment is described as non-injurious open-handed hitting with the intention of modifying child behavior. And they use that definition specifically to distinguish it from child abuse. But as you can see, it's tricky to try to differentiate those two. And we're probably going to launch into that here in a little bit. But that's the official definition that we're using straight from the AAP. Corporal punishment used to be the norm. And I'm putting norm in air quotes. But what is the recommendation of the American Academy of Pediatrics on the topic? So uh, the American Academy of Pediatrics has changed its mind over the past few years. It's very interesting. So if you look at, I want to say they have a policy that comes out every 20 years. I could be wrong, but their last update was in 2018. And in their guideline prior to 2018, the AP very lovingly said that they discourage corporal punishment. But in the last one in 2018, they said, we do not recommend it. So they went from discouraging it to saying, no, don't do it. And they did that because we've got new research that has come out that has shown how corporal punishment is not only not effective, but it's also not harmless, meaning it doesn't help extinguish behavior long-term and it actually hurts children. And we can launch into that in a second, but the AEP, this is beautiful because we've, we've gotten more data and we've changed our minds. And I think changing minds is a sign of growth and open-mindedness, which is what we're going to keep here today as we move forward. So yeah, AEP does not recommend corporal punishment anymore. Well, and so something you said that we could get into, there, there are things that happen as sort of a side effect of corporal punishment. What are some of those things? Um, what we have found in some of the research is that corporal punishment actually increases aggression in children. But we also know, uh, and that makes sense, right? So if, 
in the study specifically, they refer to it's like if you are um, hit, and I'm using the word hit on purpose, we'll talk about that in a second. If you are hitting a child when they're three, they're going to have more increased aggression by the time they're five. And same thing if they're five and they're hit, they're going to have more um, increased aggression by the time they hit kindergarten readiness, that sort of thing. And really, hitting begets more hitting. If um, a child steals something out of the cookie jar, you hit them and it may extinguish it at that moment, but not long term. And they're going to do it again. And when you do it, you're going to have to hit them harder and longer in order to get it to work. Um, And all during that time, you're increasing their aggression as well. So you're hitting them is going to create this behavior to continue and increase aggression is going to cause you to hit even more. And so the hitting causes more hitting. It's just this horrible cycle. Mm -hmm. And so we also have studies that show children have decreased IQ points. If they are being hit habitually in the home, they suffer sometimes from uh, appropriate bondedness to their parents. It can increase the risk of inappropriate parent-child relationship if children are hitting. So there's a lot of uh, mainly psychological side effects that we see in children who are hit under the heading of corporal punishment. So we know that now. And if I were to ask you guys, and if I were to reach out over the mic and say, raise your hand if you were hit as a child, I was, or spanked, whatever word you want to use, I was. Thank right. of this work. My parents are good people. They still are good parents. I'm very grateful for them and how they raised me. And they did a great job. They really did. But they hit me with a stick and it hurt. But now we know better. We've got the research, the research that was not around in the 1980s when I was growing up, when I was born. So um, my mom has even said, you know, Lauren, if I know now what I knew then, I would have done something differently. That's great. Totally fine. I'm not judging anyone for how they raised me. Right. I imagine that There are also some mental health issues. You didn't say that specifically, but there could be some mental health effects from being hit as a child. Yeah, some of that research is still ongoing, but there are things that talk about like hypertrophied amygdalas or decreased white tracks in the brain, things that can translate to mental health issues in children. And we already mentioned the the aggression that uh, that comes with that. Um, It can also lead to increased internalizing and externalizing behaviors in children. So externalizing, like we already said, that means aggression. Internalizing would be things like cutting or other less uh, aggressive of maladaptive behaviors that we sometimes see in our children um, and preteens, things like that. So yeah, the research is ongoing in the next five to 10 years, we're only going to see more of it, you Mm -hmm. know? So this is more, more to come in this realm, no doubt. And so what does the research show about why parents hit their children? So you don't even have to rely on the research to tell you why. Like I could throw that back at you, Lisa. I'm not gonna do that, but be like, Lisa, why did you think parents hit their kids? And I say that last frustration. That's right, because we're all parents here, right? And we all love our children. And when our children misbehave, we because we love them, we want to correct them. And the easiest thing to do right then is just to swat them right? Because your hand is right there. Now, if we didn't love our children, didn't care about them, and they run out in the parking lot, we'd just be like, we wouldn't do anything. But we do it because it's easy. And it's also instant gratification. It makes us feel like we're doing something to stop that harmful behavior. Because we love our children, we want them to grow into adults that are responsible. We do it out of love. And because we sometimes don't know any better. And because it's easy. And I think the research would back us up on that too. But even if you didn't want to read the papers, just ask any parent, why do you hit your child? And those, I think those are the answers you're going to get. This story sticks with me from a friend of my mother's when I think I, I must have heard it when I was a kid or something, but this 
this lady is long gone now, but when she would spank her kids, hit her kids, spank her kids, hit her kids, she would make them lie face down on the bed and she would take a belt and just go to get a hitting. And at some point she would roll them away and keep hitting the bed because mm-hmm. she was that mad. Yeah. In some ways, I thought that was at least she recognized that she got to a point that she knew that she could cause some harm to the kid, that that's why she did that. And yeah, absolutely. And if we're being honest, we can all sympathize with that parent in that moment. That doesn't make her a bad mom at all. Right. You mentioned earlier, so why do we call it hitting or why do you want to call it hitting rather than spanking or whooping or a popping or getting smacked? Why why do we call it hitting? I say that because I think what we call things matters very much. So to make this point even more salient, we as adults would never tolerate someone hitting us. So let's say my husband and I in a marriage relationship, let's say I don't load the dishwasher appropriately. It's not to his liking. And he's like, Lauren, I told you pots go on the bottom. And then he hits me. That's not okay. So why on earth would we think it's fine as adults to use our power and our influence over children to hurt their bodies to make a point? It's not okay. And we don't want our children growing up thinking that's okay. So when we say the word spanking, popping, whooping, I think we use that to shield ourselves from really noticing what's happening, which is we're hitting, we're hitting, we're hitting our children. And so we need to call it hitting even in the clinic setting, the hospital saying setting, and it feels hard to say, yeah. So when you hit your children, how does that turn out? But I think that's appropriate. That's a first step to say, because that would signal to the caretaker that they are hitting and that we can have alternative discussions about what to do next because it's hitting. That's what we're doing. Well, and I see what you're saying because spanking, a whooping, mm-hmm. popping or a smack, that sugarcoats hitting. Yes, exactly. So it's hitting and that sugarcoats it, those words do. When does corporal punishment cross the line? I have three guidelines that I use tentatively. And I always say this in the context of I'm not recommending corporal punishment, but if you're going to do it, you should only hit with your hand, not with an object. It should only be on the buttocks, nowhere else, not the face, not the back. And it should never leave a mark, right? So no loop marks, no breaking skin, no abrasions, anything like that. Now, I don't like saying that because I don't like corporal punishment. It's not going to achieve what you want. It's harmful to your child. But I understand we live in Tennessee and that's how people are going to roll. And that's fine. So I give them those guidelines, letting them know that I don't approve. You shouldn't be doing it. They're going to do it. Those three guidelines. So always with your hand, never on anywhere else but your butt and don't leave a mark. Now, lots of parents think if they don't hit that you're spoiling your child, right? Oh yeah. So I'm, I'm going to launch in here because I come, (laughs) I come from a very conservative Christian upbringing in West Texas. So I I'm going to be a little spicy here and I'm going to talk about some of the Judeo Christian upbringing that I got. So it is a common saying that people will say, spare the rod, spoil the child. Well, you know what? That is not in the Bible. Does it exist? I will pay you $100. If you can show me where that exists, doesn't, doesn't exist. It comes from some piece of literature back in the 1700s that someone wrote, but there are scriptures that talk about the rod and Jesus being the good shepherd and using the rod to guide his sheep. But let's think about that. I'm not a shepherd, but I do know shepherds use the rod to guide the sheep so they don't go off a cliff. He doesn't take the rod and smack them over the face with it. 
I mean, what kind of shepherd is that? So like, I would even say those scriptures are misusing and misinterpreting that analogy there, that shepherd analogy. It's not to hit the sheep, it's to guide them. And, and we can do some exegetical uh, hermeneutical study of scripture later if you want about that. That's for another time. But I think some of these more conservative Christian cultures, we are brought up to believe that, that if you love the Lord and if you love your children, you're going to hit them. And that is just not true. I mean, there are many examples of pastors who would agree with me on that. And so, I, I man, we just get it wrong sometimes. And this is one of those cases. Yes. When I grew up, well, when I was growing up, and I'm sure it was the same with both of you all and in, in, in school, kids got paddled. And there were some big paddles and some hard smacks. And sometimes you could hear them you know, reverberating down the hall. They were so loud and these people were so powerful doing the paddling in more ways than one. Is corporal punishment still legal in public schools? And if it is, which states still permit corporal punishment? Unfortunately, corporal punishment is still legal in 19 states. And so the states are, when you listen, they're all in one part of the United States. And so it's Alabama, Arizona, Arkansas, Colorado, Florida, Georgia, Idaho, Indiana, Kansas, Kentucky, Louisiana, Mississippi, Missouri, North Carolina, Oklahoma, South Carolina, Tennessee, Texas, and Wyoming. Dr. Birch knows this. This is a topic I'm actually really passionate about is corporal punishment in schools. And when my kids started um, elementary school, I got the handbook from my kids' school. And in there, it said that my kids could be hit at school. And so I had a really hard time with that and actually wrote a letter to the school board. And so I actually found it. And I just, I'm going to just read like a small portion of it that I feel like is really important for people to think about corporal punishment with schools. And this came from, um, from the National Association of Pediatric Nurse Practitioners too. So I feel that schools should be an environment where students feel safe. However, schools are the only place where an adult who is not the child's parent or guardian can hit a child. When we consider that we banned hitting and corporal punishment of all adult prisoners, military personnel, and patients in mental health hospitals, it's time we provide the same protection to school children. Students who are hit at school by teachers and or administrators are required to return to school the next day and face the same adult. Over 120 countries worldwide do not use any form of corporal punishment or hitting in their educational settings. The U.S. lags far behind either, even underdeveloped countries on this issue. Um, sent that to my school board and actually a couple other school boards. I didn't get the same response in a lot of other places as I did um, in my kids' school, but um, it was removed from my kids' school. And Dr. Burge and I have discussed this, and we are hopeful that with partnering with other community agencies and things like that, that in the future we can have further discussions with other counties and state and local officials about how important it is that corporal punishment does not occur in schools. And that was so well-worded. That was great. That'd make me go, oh yeah, no, you're right. It's very convincing. Yeah, I mean, it, until you hear it like that, you really don't, it really puts it in a different context, I think, when you think that prisoners aren't even hit, but we're hitting oh. our children. And so that's right. really, it really puts it in a different context, I think. So I'm sure there are cultural factors that play a role in corporal punishment. And what would those be? So just know for the audio, everyone out there, I am a white woman. And I say that because, again, I'm not from Tennessee. I moved here two years ago. And there was something I noticed almost immediately when I moved to Memphis. 
So for those of you who are not familiar with Memphis, Memphis is, I want to say it's a little over like 60, 65% Black or African-American. And so I'm a child of a pediatrician. I was, I, you know, part of my culture is white evangelical. We talked about that. Cowboys, West Texas, all that stuff. So I moved here and I noticed that corporal punishment was more prevalent here in our communities of color than anywhere I had lived previously. And I, I trained in Houston. Houston's a very diverse, beautiful place, but it's different than Memphis. And so I found myself confronted with this question a lot, specifically with my African-American families. And so I was watching the show on HBO. Don't tell my mom I watched it, (laughs) but it's called Lovecraft Country. And it's a really good show that has many wonderful themes. I think we all should explore, but on one of the episodes there, they time travel. And one of the main character's fathers, he sees his father being whooped, being beat by a family member. And then that, that started some conversation about the role of corporal punishment, specifically in African-American homes. And I thought to myself, holy moly, I have never thought about that as a, as a white woman, right? I've never had to. So I started doing more research into that um, entity specifically. And there's a delightful book, you guys, it's not, I shouldn't say delightful because it's, it is mind blowing and just exploded this issue for me. It's called Spare the Kids. It's by Dr. Stacy Patton. And it specifically looks at the role of corporal punishment in black American families. Families. What she talks about is black mothers do not have the privilege that white mothers do. Specifically, black children do not have the privilege of misbehaving in public. And the reason for that is because of the effects of systemic racism everywhere. So a black mother, knowing that her children, if they misbehave, they could be at increased risk of being put in school suspension, or if they get older, increased risk of being shot by a law enforcement, arrested, having some kind of intervention with our law enforcement individuals. She knows this. So she knows she has to act quickly and decisively whenever her child is acting out. So black children are not given the privilege of misbehaving in public. So because of that, she is going to do everything she can to change that behavior quickly. And what that often means is whooping, right? Hitting spanking, whatever that is, right? And it's done out of, out of love for her children, but also let's not get it twisted. This originally was not from black culture. It was a legacy of hurt and violence that was bestowed upon Black families from white Anglo-European cultures. So Dr. Patton talks about this in her book. In Europe, with the idea of original sin and children being born evil, and that that we have to, as parents, beat the sin out of them and shape them into these people, that's very Eurocentric. But in continental Africa, it was not that way at all. Families see children as part of... As, as the family unit to be uplifted and to be shaped and molded in less violent ways. So really we see this legacy of violence that was brought down from the European settlers now to masters, to, to their slaves. And we see that. And so for me as a child abuse pediatrician in Memphis, Tennessee, I have to be aware of these cultural factors that maybe it's not the best thing for my families or my patients to say, uh-oh, you hit your kid, I'm calling DCS, shame on you. That's not effective. And in fact, that's probably hurting them more than anything because now they've got government oversight in the family and that's not great. So when I became aware of all this and kind of the role corporal punishment has played in our black families, I'll start talking about it. And I'll say, hey, mom, I'm a white woman. I don't know anything about what it's like to be walk in your shoes. But what, what if I told you there was one thing you could do that would increase your child's IQ, increase the rates of his successful adult relationships, decrease his aggression? Would you want to do that? 
And she'll say, yes, of course I want to do that. I was like, great. Stop hitting your kid. Here's some alternatives. Try redirection, try positive reinforcement, all these other things that we can think of. But I acknowledge the racial component. And Dr. Patton has said this before in her speaking. She's like, you know, there's nothing more white you can do than hit your kids, which is true. Because also let me say, reading parenting books, and I've read a few, that is a very privileged white thing to do. A lot of families don't have the time to sit on their backsides and read, you know, all this literature about how to raise kids. It's just not doable. So I want our providers to keep that in mind that there are cultural aspects of corporal punishment that extend beyond what you think is best and what you know is best. And sometimes we're going to have to get creative. I also want to point everyone towards APSAC. That's the American Professional Society on the Abuse of Children. They have a lovely free resource called Painless Parenting. It's a booklet for providers as well as for patients about alternatives you can use and how to open those discussions with people about not hitting your children. Uh, Dr. Patton also has this lovely website called Ask Mother Wit. So for those of you who are Whitey McWhiterson like me and need some help, and kind of understanding some of the issues in communities of color, Ask Mother Wit is delightful because Mother Wit is the idea is that she's an older black woman who's here to offer her advice. And so there are questions asked about like, what do I do if I see someone hitting them in the parking lot, hitting a kid in the parking lot? What do I do there? And so those are wonderful, culturally competent resources for people to go to. So more to come. Dr. Patton is uh, clearly onto something and I'm ashamed I didn't even heard of her until years after I graduated child abuse fellowship, but it's real. And I had to learn more because of where I practice medicine. There's more cultures out there to explore. I haven't even talked about other religions or other races, but everyone in a different culture has a different take on this, on corporal punishment, Mm -hmm. but the research is nonetheless the same. So I I want us to try to be creative and be open and graceful to one another and trying to stop hitting and stop spanking altogether. But APSAC is a lovely resource. Please check those out. So I'm going to include those in the episode notes and also ask Mother Wit and some of the other, other things that we've mentioned. And put, uh, uh, put Dr. Patton's book on there too. Okay. I think that would be good. It's called Spare the Kids by yeah, Stacey Patton. That. Yeah. I will do one. that. I will absolutely do that. So you did mention these resources and you mentioned alternative strategies. Can you think of anything really that just comes to mind that's very simple, an instinct that it's something just happened. I want to hit my kid. How do I stop this first instinct? What is something I can do as a parent to stop that? We our team, our uh, child abuse team at Lebon are actually has a pretty great big presentation on, on corporal punishment that Dr. Burge put together for us. And it's wonderful. And so in that, you know, Dr. Lakin talks about some, some alternative strategies and, you know, one of the ones that I thought, you know, I had never really thought of it before, but one alternative that she listed in there was to actually, she called it a time in. So instead of like just walking away and, you know, putting your child in timeout, actually do more of a time in, try to calm down and try to talk to them, which as a parent, it's, it seems uh, easier said than done because when you're really frustrated, that was one thing. Um, some other things can do a timeout with your child, setting limits, talking to them, and then positive reinforcement also, you know, can be helpful to some kids just as a parent too, who's not using corporal punishment in their home. I just think that it's important for people to know that what works for one child might not work for the next. Both of my, my kids, what works 
as a punishment for one child does not work for the other. And so kind of figuring out what I can do to actually make them understand that what they're doing is wrong. I've also learned with my oldest daughter that what used to work when she was three and four no longer works. So things have to change and I have to adapt to those changes as she gets older and um, as she changes and matures. So what works for me might not work for somebody else. And um, those are, I think, really important things as a parent to consider when you're, when you're talking about punishing a child. And what you said about the time in, I think that we could all take that advice for anything in our lives. If we get immediately angry about something, okay, let's have a time in and and let's talk about this or take that deep breath and maybe count to 10 and then talk about it. And Dr. Burge, I mean, what do you, what do you do with your kids? I know you're, Dr. Burge is very calm with her children. Her mom is a therapist. So she's very good at, with words, acknowledging your feelings. That's, I know she's very good with those things and I'm sure she's, um, great with her children with that. Oh, Andrea. That. Yeah, yeah. So my mom, grandma's a therapist. So it's one of those things where, you know, say you have, say I have a five-year-old and three-year-old and say my five-year-old is losing his ish and he's just mad about something. I'm like, man, I'm not gonna use my kid's name. Man, kid, you are mad. You're mad, aren't you? Yes, I'm mad. Whew, you're mad. Hey, this is what I do when I'm mad. I stomp my feet and then I'm going to take some big bubble breaths to help me feel better. Because any kind of parenting you do when they're upset is for not like, they're not going to remember because he's mad. So you got to get him to regulate first and then kind of revisit and be like, Hey dude, what made you mad? Oh, your sister stole your toy, man. I'd be mad too. But what can we do next time when she steals your toy? Um, are we going to call her a name and kick her in the leg? Or can we say, excuse me, that's my toy. Can I please have it back? So you just try to problem solve when you acknowledge those emotions. But let's be real. Like there's a million parenting books out there. Just choose one. Choose one that you like. Mm-hmm. Then parenting is so personal. We're not here to judge anyone. But I think those of us in healthcare, the data is out. Yeah. And it shows that corporal punishment is neither effective nor harmless. So we need to start doing our best to extinguishing that and partnering people like AFSAC and uh, all that good stuff to try to help stop it. Well, I think that I know what both of you would say. What are key takeaways about corporal punishment that bear repeating or maybe one thing you would each like to leave the audience with today? I just want to really say, I think it's important that we all talk about it. Like until Dr. Burge really joined our team, it was something that we really didn't talk about. And so I appreciate her sharing that book with us. It's a book that I've read also um, since she shared it with us. And it, it's a good book and it brings a lot of light to things, really makes you think about things. I think it's important that as providers and parents that we talk to people about it. And, you know, with that short, even that short little blurb from the email that I read, I shared that with my friends who, who thought that their kids should be spanked at school and hit at school. Sharing that one little blurb changed a lot of people's minds when you think about it. And so just have open conversations with people and talk about the the research and what has been done over the years to prove that corporal punishment is not harmless. And so that's my, my big takeaway. And, you know, want to thank Dr. Birch for bringing that to light to our team, because it is important. And I think it's really important that we share and talk about that. And you know what, Andrea, your words, you know, use your words, your (laughs) words mattered, you know, and had a big impact. If, if it affected some of your friends and it got your child's school to change corporal punishment views and, and not using it. So your words, you used your words and they, you know, they definitely mattered and they worked. So what about you, Dr. Burge? 
Yeah, I echo everything Andrea has said, but the take-home point I want everyone to keep in mind is just have an attitude of grace, especially around this topic, is there is nothing more personal than parenting. And when we try to have these conversations with patients, it, oh, oof. It's rough. They're gonna, it's easy to feel judged or misunderstood. And so if you can come to the table, not with an attitude of, I know better and I'm right and you're wrong, but hey, help me understand where you're at. And we both love your child. We want your child to do best. So here's how we can partner together. But really try not to be judgmental because it is so easy for others to feel belittled and judged when we're trying to share this type of information. So I would say, be curious, be compassionate. And then don't be afraid to talk about it, just like Andrea said. That's great. Thank you so much. Thank you both so much for being here again today. Thanks for having us back. Our our pleasure. It was fun. Our guests today have been Dr. Lauren Burge, a child abuse pediatrician and an assistant professor, as well as Dr. Andrea Sebastian, a child abuse nurse practitioner and an assistant professor. Our conversation has been about corporal punishment, and this ends the part three of our three-part series for April being Child Abuse National Child Abuse Prevention Month. You've been listening to the That's Helpful podcast with your host, Dr. Lisa Beasley, a family nurse practitioner and faculty in the College of Nursing at the University of Tennessee Health Science Center. Visit thatshelpful.com for more information or to hear prior episodes. Please follow at Now Healthful on Twitter and That's Helpful on Instagram. Like or comment on an episode wherever you listen or stream your favorite podcasts. Music for this episode is provided by local Memphis singer, musician, and songwriter, Devin Yannick. For more of Devin's music, visit devinmusic.weebly.com.